I'm Leanne Lord, and this is Human Story. We've got something different for you today. Instead of a story, we'll listen in as Hemet Mehta, a veteran of the free thought movement, interviews Autumn, a relative newcomer who caught his attention on YouTube. Hemet has been a free thought blogger, author, and speaker for nearly 20 years now, building his blog, Friendly Atheist, into the largest atheist blog in the world. When you've been a part of something that long, it's a good idea to get outside of your own head once in a while, get a new perspective. So, just as the pandemic began, Hemet came across a YouTube channel called Notes from Autumn. Autumn was talking about atheism by exploring the psychological and social aspects of religion. That was already interesting. But what caught his attention even more was her strong criticisms of the way atheists communicate online. It was a very different perspective to hear from someone new to atheism, and he knew he wanted to sit down with Autumn to see what he could learn. In April of 2020, right as the pandemic began, I saw a YouTube channel called Notes from Autumn, which was someone who intended to talk about atheism, but unlike a lot of other people I had seen, it really focused on psychological and sociological aspects of religion. And what's been really interesting is since that time, Autumn has acquired thousands of followers, guest hosted on a number of popular YouTube shows, and... What I found most interesting is she's been really critical of the way atheists communicate online. And as someone who has been, I guess, in this world for the better part of 20 years, seeing someone who is relatively new to the world and can offer a very different perspective than the one I have is something I found really educational for myself. So I wanted to chat with her about uh, what she's learned in that world, what criticisms and and praise she has for kind of the non-religious community as she sees it. So Autumn, how did you get started with doing YouTube, specifically in atheism in general? Even when I was a Christian, I was very interested in like apologetics and some of the philosophical arguments and thinking about things big picture. And then once I deconstructed Christianity, um, I became very fascinated in talking to people about all kinds of beliefs and, and skepticism and epistemology. Um, and basically, starting a YouTube channel was something that I, that I had wanted to do for a very long time. And I was like, you know what, I just have to post a video no matter how horrible it is. Like, I just have to start. So I got highly encouraged, like early on. I think I got an email from you, like, like after the first video, right? Like, yeah, no, I, I did email you when I saw that first video, because I just thought this is awesome. I'm, I'm it's so nice to see someone who's bringing a perspective to this. And honestly, it was I know it was your first time doing it, but it was a really nicely made video that was honest about your own thing. You were a Christian growing up. What type of Christian? I guess uh, evangelical. Back then, I wouldn't have used that term, though. I would have said non- non-denominational at the time. And without going into the long history, because I know we all have these stories, but was there one specific thing that kind of led you away from all that? Not one specific thing. It was like a whole process. So like, it started with 
questions when I got better explanations for human behavior in college than the Bible had to offer. I was like, oh, that actually, like taking psychology, sociology courses, or even social psych was super helpful in explaining human behavior. And I was like, that makes a lot more sense than this whole like, you know, sin nature thing that we just want to, we're just corrupt and bad. There's a lot of explanations that science has to offer for why we do the things we do and why we believe the things we believe. Um, And I would try to like make it fit into like my perspective. I became actually, what's funny is I became more fundamentalist in college, but then I was trying to fit science into fundamental. It was a mess when I was in college. Um, And But those first dominoes started falling for you at that time. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I started, I was like, well, I need to look into what like atheists actually believe and think, um, because then I'll know how to minister to atheists. You know, I tried to debunk what they were saying, but then some stuff just made way too much sense. Um, And then I was also at the time, I basically got married and was in an abusive relationship. So I was married for a year. We were together for three. Um, And I think uh, after that relationship ended, thankfully, In therapy, I realized that I had kind of been fed some awful ideas about like turning the other cheek and continual forgiveness and just like letting people bully me and walk all over me. And I was like, how can God have offered me something that was bad for me? So uh, kind of all together, it was like it all combined led me to become an atheist. And then I had wanted to like talk to people about this stuff. Um, I started a blog that no one knows about when like a few years before I actually started my YouTube channel called The Enthusiastic Agnostic. And um, it I, that didn't last very long just because like no one really re- reads blogs anymore. People oh, I know video content. <laughs> I'm well aware. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no offense taken. I fully agree with you. But okay, so this is interesting because the the world of atheism that I kind of came up in in the early 2000s, um, those resources that you mentioned, the debates, the the videos, the movies, they just weren't there. There were a couple of books. I think they were mostly academic. This is before all the mm-hmm. quote unquote new atheist books were out. Um, blogs were getting to be popular and that was kind of the medium of choice if you wanted to do anything. I don't even think YouTube really existed at the time. And so that was kind of my pathway in. But that's it's interesting to me that you mentioned, you know, Religulous is interesting because the criticism of that movie has been Bill Maher goes mm-hmm. after a lot of low-hanging fruit. Yes. Even though, even though he is criticizing religion as a whole, mm-hmm. the people he features in the movie... Uh, I think a lot of Christians would find it very easy to dismiss the specific people he talks to. Right. And even the debates you're talking about. I mean, any debate with Christopher Hitchens, you are talking about someone who is known online, whether you like him or not, for giving these like verbal smackdowns. Right. And Hitchens and even a lot of the Dawkins, Sam Harris types, they're known for, you know, I'm going to challenge your ideas. I'm going to rip apart your logic. Mm -hmm. And that's how I win this debate. And I mean, that's kind of what blogging is too, right? Let me take what you have to say. Tell everyone why it's totally wrong. Right. That's kind of the world I came up in. 
what's interesting to me is that um, after you started, I mean, if you're starting your YouTube channel in like 2020, you're coming into a world where there is a lot more nuance, where a lot of atheists have grown up in a world where everyone's debating and religion is always seen as the enemy, even mm -hmm. if individual religious people are not necessarily bad. And so I'm really curious about this because you've seen what happens on the other side. And maybe mm -hmm. I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum in some ways. Mm -hmm. So let me bring that up because I'm really curious now that you've uh, been on YouTube for a little while and, and you've gotten some popularity in that realm and people know that you talk about a atheism and it is kind of funny that you when you finally started to quote unquote minister, you're doing it as an atheist speaking to other atheists <laughs> right, after everything course. you went through. But why don't you tell me about some of the things you found that you do find troubling, especially now that you've been a part of this world, you can you have fresher eyes than I do on this stuff. What do you not like about that? Uh, the, the YouTube community or the atheist community as it appears online or anywhere else right now? Yeah. So obviously there's going to be like some some nuance in the fact that like different things, different tactics work with different people. So what's going to get through to one person when it comes to like religious deconstruction, um, you know, an entirely different tactic or way of speaking might get through to a different person, right? Like not everything is cut and dry. So my opinion, you know, I guess take it with a grain of salt, but I wanted to start off my channel just being like, talking to a person as if they were my friend or talking to them as if they were my past self because I needed like a gentler um, conversation about that stuff because I was so emotionally tied to the concept of God. I was like... So someone mocking you or making fun of you or debating you about why you're wrong about these things would not have worked on Autumn five years ago. Yeah, it made me more stubborn and want to cling harder, kind of like a backfire effect. And I, I think someone giving credit, like credit where credit is due that like, you know, I, I was skeptical about things. I was interested in, in good arguments. And I think, um, like I said, I kind of deconstructed in therapy, someone giving me a safe space to really question things and, um, being very non-judgmental and not verbally berating me was super helpful for me to just have a space where I didn't feel judged. Um, and because also you're judged by Christians when you're questioning things. So if you're judged by atheists and Christians, like where is a, where is there a safe space for you to really, you know, unravel things? okay to like make fun of ideas and be a little snarky and um I think there's a time and a place for that but I wanted the majority of my content to be a little bit softer and a little bit kinder because that's what I needed and I hadn't yet seen a woman creator um at the time do that sort of thing 
um, now I have met so many, like I've met so many people in the atheist community and there are a lot of people that are um, having like a better conversation, a more elevated discourse at, at the very least. It's definitely more nuanced for me. Like I've seen voices that I know internally when I speak with other activists, other organizations, people working for them. It's always a very stereotypical type of atheist, the the older white academic male, mm-hmm. usually with an accent. It all revolves around Dawkins, <laughs> the persona mm-hmm. or something. But you're right. I mean, the one thing I've definitely appreciated is that there are more voices of color. There are more women doing their thing. I mean, it's nice to hear how this stuff sounds from their perspective um, because it raises new issues. Not everything when it comes to atheism is just about, you know, logic and reason and we're done having this conversation. It's like, no, you got to take into account how it how religion impacts culture, how it impacts your life, your work. And for many people, they're facing different struggles that, you know, some counter-apologetic argument doesn't do anything for them. They may already not believe in God, but they got to go through all these other hurdles that we weren't talking about very much. And I get the sense from the atheists I heard a lot from uh, a couple decades ago is it's that if you just have the right set of arguments we're good. We're done having this conversation. You should be good too. What's wrong with you if you haven't figured this out yet? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you're missing all these other issues. Yes. Actually, you said like the facts don't care about your feelings kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that rang a bell for me too, because I was like, how can skeptics not incorporate emotions as a factor into the conversation because we are emotional creatures. Like if you know anything about human behavior, you know that emotion drives us like a lot, probably more than reason. I think uh, like I once heard someone say um, reason is a slave to emotion. And it's like, yes, we definitely want to be logical. We definitely want to search for truth. But when it comes to communication styles, you should take emotion into account because that that will have everything to do with how you get through to someone, I think. Someone put it to me this way. There are people who really just need, you need to force the bitter pill down their mm-hmm. throat. But there are some people for whom the best thing you could do is give them water. Because for some people, I mean, there's no nice way to talk about this idea that this belief that has guided you through life that has meant so much to you for so much of your life there's no nice way of telling someone i think that entire belief is wrong it's fundamentally unsound you can't you could say it with a smile it doesn't make it that much easier but there is an art to how you kind of have that conversation with the people who want to have it who are willing to listen to you and sometimes just mocking it, like a lot of uh, stand-up comics might do, or just shoving logic and reason at you as if, hey, your thing that you're taking on faith doesn't make sense, therefore I win. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really, uh, it doesn't get into the things that really draw people, I think, to religion. I mean, I'm not talking about abuse of religion for a second, but for a lot of people, church is a sanctuary, and I mean that in a metaphorical sense, they can if they are sick there are people there who will take care of them yes. if they lose their jobs there is a network of people they can count on to help them out mm-hmm. uh i mean not just everyone wants 
to do something with their life. And for so many people, their church gives them the thing they can look forward to, the thing that they're, it, they look forward to it every week. It's a community for them that goes beyond, is God true? Yeah, people stay in groups that are meeting their needs and they leave groups when their needs are not being met, which is probably why there had to be a specific set of events and I had to be in a specific environment to even deconstruct Christianity because before then, even if there was parts of Christianity that were extremely toxic for me, it was meeting a lot of my social needs. It was meeting, it was giving me a coping mechanism. And so on the other end of that, if atheists are not offering a community that meets people's needs and they're only offering this kind of bitter pill. It's like, what incentive do people have to join that group? Let me get into something I've seen you talk about online, which is if you look at, let's say, the most popular YouTube atheists, uh, at least by subscribers and their views always get so many views, it seems at least historically, the ones who are popular are the ones who kind of shove it in your face. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm right, you're wrong. And I realize that is kind of all of YouTube. I'm right, you're wrong. But they're very much a everyone who disagrees with me is by extension an idiot it's very much oh you you have something you want to throw my way you're calling into my show and you want to raise an objection or you have an idea for why god does exist let me tell you why you're an idiot about it Mm -hmm. or at least that's the mentality i think um the, the very in your face debate me attitude uh that you only score points if I can knock you down several pegs. And right. you've been critical of that attitude and that way of doing things. What is the problem with that mentality? Obviously, it's worked for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Okay, conflict does draw attention, which is why those kinds of, you know, like call-in shows or reaction um, channels get a lot of views is because conflict drives attention. We pay attention to conflict. It can be entertaining. It can be cathartic. But if one of the complaints we have about the church is that people are shamed and verbally abused and mentally abused, then, you know, when it comes to atheist content that is, that can't cross the line into being verbally abusive um, and shaming people. It's like, how are we any different? If you're trying to prevent harmful behavior, there's this thing called infibulation that goes on in some African countries where they believe in sewing a woman's vagina shut. Um, And that is very harmful to women, obviously. Um, And then when they go to um, have consummate their marriage, because, you know, they're sewn up until they're married. Um, it's extremely painful and because th- their vagina has been sewn and that's very harmful. Talking to someone uh, and embarrassing someone who believes in infibulation ultimately in, from a utilitarian perspective could prevent a lot of harm, right? Like maybe we should embarrass people who want to harm women in this way. 
So long term, you're preventing harm by bullying someone who's hurting women. But then on the other end of that, if someone has like a God belief and they're mostly like a progressive Christian and they're not causing a lot of harm to society, but they do use God as a a way of explaining the universe and you come in and you shame them and you bully them and embarrass them because maybe they made a a TikTok um, where they had like a stupid take. It's like, how are we any better than a pastor who shames people for having different ideas? So it sounds like sounds like what I'm hearing from that is, look, there obviously there are certain beliefs that are faith based that are almost objectively harmful to a lot of people. Right. And that absolutely deserves to be called out, criticized. There's nothing wrong with that. So first part of that is, I mean, one, if you want to reach those people and try to convince them they're wrong, just telling them they're idiots, telling them they're wrong, explaining that it's harmful, but obviously they're not interested in that. That may not get through to those people. But the flip side of that is there are plenty of religious people who do really good things as a result of their faith. And when we treat them as idiotic, as stupid, as harmful as the first group, it's like, what are you doing? There's no nuance in your take on that. And that doesn't help. I mean, one thing I've seen in the past several years of being involved in kind of the uh, online world and organized atheism world is that I've seen a lot more atheist groups say, you know what, if you're religious, but you're fighting for women's rights and voting rights, look, do we disagree about the God question? Yeah, we do. But you know what? There is a shared goal we have, and I'm willing to put aside our, I mean, we can put aside our differences and work together toward that shared goal. You don't want to treat all religious people as if they are committing the same amount of harm mm-hmm. because everyone's wrong about different things to all of us. And to go after everyone like, hey, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're all crazy. Doesn't help. Right. An educated person who like understands skepticism and epistemology or um, understands naturalist explanations for the origins of life and the universe, um, that person is privileged. That person is educated. And so if you're having a conversation with a person who maybe isn't college educated, didn't get the same opportunities as you, like, aren't you kind of being unfair because you got the advantage of getting a higher education, whereas someone might have been born into a part of the world or a part of the country where they didn't get the same advantages as of you. And then you're going to be like, oh, you stupid idiot. You believe in God. It's like, that's not fair. Like, even for myself, I'm not any smarter now than I was when I was religious. I just got exposed to different information that I didn't get a chance to be exposed to before. People have made me feel really um, belittled and stupid when they say stuff like, you deconstructed when you were in your 20s. I knew that was all bullshit when I was 12. It's like, okay, but you weren't in the same environment. It wasn't in your home. Maybe your mom didn't have you pray every day and go to church every Sunday. Maybe it was like a smaller part of your life. Um, maybe you didn't go to Christian school like I did, where it wasn't as reinforced in your um, large and small social structures. And it wasn't given to you as a coping mechanism for like grief. And so that's why you didn't take to it as strongly. It's not just that you're smarter. It's like you had a different experience than me. And so... 
I just think we need to take those things into account. You can be motivated by wanting to provide better tools to people, better explanations for people, better epistemology for people. But I think some people that are in motivated by like having the last word, looking smart and cool. Um, and sometimes if they're losing an argument, what they'll do is they'll, you know, on a call-in show, the audience is on your side. You you have the upper hand. It's not an equal playing field. You can talk over the caller. You can just start mocking them instead of engaging in the arguments if you start losing your footing. You like, And so you can make it appear with showmanship that you've really won, but have you actually had the other person in mind and won the caller? Or have you just won? Yeah, what did you, what did you win? You won the comment <laughs> section for the day. And long-term, right. long-term winning the comment section for the day, you're just creating another echo chamber maybe where you're not doing anything productive you're you're making fun of theists um you're not making actual change for humanism or secularism or you know what you're not actually doing activism i can't recall many call-in shows in general where i've ever heard the atheist who's hosting it say something like yeah you make a good point yeah, I am wrong about that. It's just not something that regularly happens, which again, some of it's you're calling in because you're debating some issue. But also, yeah, you you lack that nuance where you say, okay, I will cede this ground to you. But here's where I think you missed the point. It, it's, it's always a full on combat. I mean, in your mind, what do you think a better community, whether it's on YouTube or elsewhere, what would a better community have especially when we don't have this glue that binds us together. I mean, you're an atheist, I'm an atheist. That's about all we have in common, you know, at least on the surface. We don't have that community that churches do, that religious groups often do. But still, what could we be doing better? Yeah, so I guess more self-reflection. Like, there... I think that it would be awesome if people started to look at skepticism as something we practice and not something that we are, because people will label themselves skeptics and then say that somebody else is not a true skeptic if they get something wrong. Even if you identify with wanting to use skepticism as a tool for deciphering like what's true and like making decisions, we're all fallible still. And so doing some self-reflection on our own, but also as a group, are we being skeptical about this or are we just creating another in-group where we're right and the out-group is wrong? Um, I think that we should create common goals with theists or the religious where we say, you know, instead of just making fun of the other group, it's like, let's actually look for truth here. Like, what's what do I have right? What do you have right? One thing I know you brought up at some point is a lot of atheists, rightly so, I would think, we criticize a lot of Christians who don't criticize their own pastors or prominent Christians in the media, let's say, when they say or do something truly awful. It's like, okay, if you, uh, let's take LGBTQ rights, for example, a lot of younger people, a lot of younger Christians, even younger evangelicals, are pretty supportive of LGBTQ rights in general. Mm-hmm. And yet you don't necessarily see them criticizing their pastor or the evangelical church's 
uh, that are in the news a lot that for a bunch of reasons. Maybe they don't want to stir the pot. Maybe they see beyond that one issue or something. But I don't want to focus on that specific one. But in the atheist world, again, there is no atheist pope. There are some popular personalities, no doubt. But I think one thing I've heard you say is we don't really do a good job of calling out our own when they say or do something, not necessarily untrue, we may still agree on the God thing, but the way they go about mm-hmm. doing, uh, being an activist, being an advocate for these things, we very rarely call out bad behavior in our community. Like, what would you like to see in that regard? It's like, yes, we should call out harmful behavior in our own group. because, And I think that's hard because we want to feel comfortable and like we found our place. And if we criticize someone who's like a big name, then and that threatens how comfortable we are in the group or like friendships or clout, right? It isn't that what Christians do? They kind of sweep things under the rug and don't call out bad behavior. And then how are we any different? Then what's the point of being an atheist? Like yeah. there's no point in leaving the church if you're just going to turn around with the atheist label and do the exact same harmful behaviors, like it's not about just what you believe. It's about how your beliefs influence your behavior. And if skepticism isn't improving your behavior to make you like a more productive person, um, a person who's putting good into the world, then like what use is it? What good is it? It's definitely something I've noticed where I don't win anything if you become an atheist because of something I said. Like I don't, I don't really take joy in hearing from someone who says, oh, hey, your content helped me and I I stopped believing in God. That's nice. I definitely appreciate it, but I'm not notching a tally somewhere. My question is, okay, what are you doing with that now? Because if someone's an atheist and they're using it to push for a political agenda I don't agree with or that I find harmful or they're using it to hurt other people, uh, look down upon them, whatever, that bugs me. And I absolutely, I want to, I want to call them out on it. I want other people to call them out on it too. But this is kind of the point you're making, which is becoming an atheist. It should not be the end goal of our activism. Mm -hmm. Hopefully skepticism, like you said, is a way of life. It's a, it's a starting point, but it shouldn't make you more dogmatic in your atheism. It means, oh, I'm questioning things and I know how to find better answers. That is the thing I would hope a lot of people are striving for. And God is one aspect of that in my mind, sure, but that's not it. It's, that's not the, the only thing I, I want you to change your mind about. Yeah. And, and I mean, just like if you were to try to like eat healthier and exercise more, like you're not going to do that perfectly every single day. And I think that's an attitude we need to have when we think about critical thinking. It's like, just because we like to consider ourselves critical thinkers doesn't mean that sometimes we might, you know, have a day where we get or completely wrong about something. And it's okay to just admit that because we're human. It's like, being an atheist or identifying as a skeptic doesn't change the fact that we're just human and we're figuring it out too. And I think having the attitude where we admit that we're figuring it out too might actually entice some of the religious because maybe that will show them something different than the poisoned well that they have perceived when it comes to atheism, right? I think one of the things I've taken a lot of joy in seeing over the past couple of years especially is how many progressive Christians have done a really impressive job of calling out what they dislike about their own communities. A couple examples are like purity culture in white evangelical churches, Mm -hmm. where some of the most 
uh, outspoken voices about how harmful that is. It's not coming from outside the church. It's coming from within where a lot of very brave uh, women who are Christians and very proud to be Christians are the ones saying, here's what that culture taught me. Here's why it's wrong. Here's what we need to do to fix it. That's incredible and Mm -hmm. arguably more influential coming from them. I mean, one of my favorite projects in the past couple of years, there was a group of people who said, we dislike the fact that a lot of Christian uh, evangelical churches do have positions on things like same-sex marriage, LGBTQ rights, but they don't like to say it out loud. And what can we do? I mean, obviously, we can have a big shouting match about who deserves civil rights and protections and what does the Bible say about this? Their approach was different. They said, we're going to create a website where we just tell people what it is you actually believe based on either sermons you've given or things your church website actually says in the fine print, even if you don't shout it on the homepage. Mm-hmm. And I, the site is called Church Clarity. And they just say, we're just here to tell you what this church, this mega church, believes about this stuff. Because the last thing we want you to do is to join that church thinking they believe this about, let's say, uh, gay people or trans people, but then you join and you're sucked into that community and then you realize, oh, that's what they really believe. But it's these approaches that say, look, we're not fighting you on the God question. We're not saying there's something wrong with the faith, but we are saying as Christians, we appreciate honesty and clarity on these issues so people can make a decision that's right for them. Yeah, that church clarity um, website sounds awesome because that's exactly how cult induction works. They do love bombing first and they tell you all the good things about what they have to offer. And then they sneak in these little, I shouldn't say little, they sneak in these mindsets that are, are bigoted or just something you wouldn't have initially accepted until you've been love bombed and like inducted into that group. So that's super awesome that somebody's doing that. And I think you're right that like, you hear from someone who shares the same group as you or the same label as you, a deconstruction of a concept that, you know, you kind of always thought was true. Is there something else that needs to be deconstructed? It's so powerful when that sort of mentality comes from other Christians. And I think getting back to our point, there's when it comes from atheists, non-religious people criticizing our own people on the way, the methods they use, the conclusions they reach, it's, it means more. It has a greater impact, I would argue. And uh, that's one of the things I appreciate about what you've been doing, which is calling out what you see as bad behavior within our community. Um, just really quickly, if people want to hear more from you, learn about what you're doing, where can they find you at? Pretty much any social media, you can type in notes from Autumn. Excellent. Hemet is a prominent writer and speaker covering religion and atheism at Only Sky. Autumn examines beliefs and behavior through the lens of social and developmental psychology on her YouTube channel, Notes from Autumn. That was episode four of Human Story, a podcast exploring the human experience from a secular point of view, one story at a time. Each episode, I'll bring you a different storyteller, one secular person sharing what it's like to be one of 7 billion living, feeling, thinking human creatures temporarily awake on a minor planet. 
So what's your story? If you have a secular perspective, a good story, and a gift for telling it, go to onlysky.media slash submissions to submit an idea for an episode of your own. We're especially interested in post-religious stories, stories about life after you're done grappling with religion. Give us a glimpse of what it's like to live in your head and see the world through your eyes. That's onlysky.media slash submissions. Human Story is a production of Only Sky, a home for journalism, storytelling, and opinion serving the growing community of the religiously unaffiliated. Visit us online and add your voice to the conversation at onlysky.media and subscribe to the Human Story podcast on the service of your choice. Thanks for listening. I'm Leanne Lord. See you next time for Human Story.